You're listening to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with Outfluencer, Dr. Wayne Purnell. Welcome to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most. I'm your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the Outfluencer and your powerful presence mentor. Today, I have an exceptionally special guest. I uh, did some research. I had this brilliant idea that I was going to bring a program called Leadership Magic to uh, to all of my clients. And anytime I have a brilliant idea, I uh, start doing some research. Like, well, what else is out there on Leadership Magic? And is it possible that I could even buy the domain name for that? And Well, one thing led to another, and I found the person that owned that domain name, and one thing led to another after after engaging in conversation. Solarzar is the gentleman who is joining me today. He's amazing. His quest for truth is amazing. His quest to bring true leadership is amazing, and um, where he started is astounding. So what I'd love to do is just at this point, welcome you, Solarzar. I'm so, so <laughs> glad you're here. Well, thank you, Dr. P. It's like I, I'm flattered by your introduction. Uh, I've, I've never been so amazing in all my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't shatter my illusion of you. Right? <laughs> you but, you are amazing. Well, thank you so much. What I would like to add to that, if I might, is that I don't know that I've looked for truth, but I really have looked for understanding. And boy, it just seems like the more we learn, the more we shift our understanding. And I know you go through that with your clients and your counseling and your presentations. And I think as we found talking to each other, that there are so many different ways of even presenting leadership magic because it's the idea that leadership is all about connection. No matter what else we do, it's connection, connection, connection. If we're just outcome focused, we're not creating connection. And we do have to get to outcomes. But the best thing about leadership is connection and connection builds relationships and relationships allows both parties in that leadership module to grow. Without so that, true. you know, it's not, so I, I, I guess you'd like a little background Let's for your listeners. I'm originally from New York. I went to Catholic grammar school and I went to Cardinal Spellman High School in the Bronx on a scholarship. Wow. And at the age of 16, my father and I had a disagreement about a haircut. And now, look at you now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And and the disagreement was just shaved up the sides or square back. That's what it was. Uh, So at the age of 16, in the middle of February, during a snowstorm, I was put out of the house. I had an overcoat, a carry bag, and 16 cents. And I lived on the streets for over two years. I traveled around. I worked at an offset printing plant in New Britain, Connecticut, the home of Stanley Tools, by the way. They're very proud of that. And uh, I went to Florida. I helped offload some Russian fishing trawlers in in Florida. So I did a lot of different things just to stay alive. And then finally, my father and I reconciled. I returned home, returned to high school. And then ultimately, I enlisted in the United States Marine Corps. And I spent 21 years in the Marine Corps going through the enlisted ranks to the officer ranks. 
before retiring in 1994 and became a consultant to the Department of Defense for what benefits was and policy. I was, uh, I was a captain when I retired. Mm-hmm. I was a staff sergeant, became a warrant officer, CWO2, CWO3, CWO4, first lieutenant, captain. And I just hit the zone for major two months before my retirement. So I, uh, I did. Well, actually, unfortunately, I was a captain during the reduction in force initiative. And the way the Marine Corps did the reduction in force is they reduced from the bottom up instead of the top down like everybody else. So I stayed in grade a long period of time. I stayed in grade six years. So, mm. but uh, so I was a captain. I would have liked to have been a major, but eh, I was a captain. I was good. I was good with that. Okay. So and uh, and that's that was kind of the background story of what I consider a lot of my leadership journey. As I mentioned to Dr. P in our previous conversation, about a year after I retired from the Marine Corps and was working at the Department of Defense, I, um, I, I noticed an ad for Toastmasters and I, I joined Toastmasters. I always love to speak. What I liked about Toastmasters is that it's also about leadership. It's leadership and speaking. It's communication and the two of them go together. But what I found is that I was missing my leadership development where I was with what I was doing in my professional life. So I was able to work on some of that within Toastmasters. And then it led me to consider this whole concept of leadership. What did leadership mean to me? I had gone through the enlisted ranks. I'd been a warrant officer, which is that, that intermediate officer that's considered a specialist in a field. I'd become an officer from that and, and augmented into the regular officer corps. So I was competing with people 10, 15 years junior to me. But I also thought, what was really leadership? And what I really liked is what the Marine Corps taught. And they taught that leadership is about teacher to scholar. And today, the scholar learns from the teacher. And tomorrow, the scholar teaches the teacher. So leadership is about a continuum. It's not about a title, an office, a a parking space. It's not about any of that. It's about what do I bring to my relationships with people? And what do they bring to their relationships with me? And no matter how different we are, we're both leaders as we are within ourselves. And for us to have the comfort of bringing that out in our leadership relationships with people. So that's kind of how I started developing my premise of leadership magic and what I felt it was. That's awesome. How did you, um, uh, part of the magic of leadership magic is that you actually are a magician. Yes. And, uh, and when did that show up in your life? Well, it showed up when I was 11. What happened is my, my cousin, much older cousin, he lived next door to the public library. And one day my sister and I were both there and I was 11, she was 12. And he took her down to get a library card. And then she came back and I didn't want to go. I, you know, I was going to stay and watch TV. And then she came back with these great books. And then I said, take me, take me. So I went down and then I went down. And as you may know, 793.5 in the Dewey Decimal System where all the magic books are. <laughs> and I found they've got books on magic. Do people know they have books on magic? 
And so I began taking out all the books on magic I possibly could. And, and naturally, as you, you might recall, some of those earlier books on magic in public libraries were about big things that, you know, an 11-year-old couldn't do. I, I couldn't right. get an elephant, you know, and I, I couldn't have these 30 assistants and, <laughs> and these big stage shows with lights. But nonetheless, I was fascinated by it. It gave us something to aspire to, though. I'm sure at that age, it was like, well, you know, you get the elephant, you've really made it. For me, it was the illusion of uh, cutting somebody into thirds and sliding their middle out, right? And, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. And I figured, you know, when I when, if I ever did that, I would have made it. And I performed that on stage with my wife, and I'm like, that's kind of cool, <laughs> right? It's, it's kind of cool. Um, I never did an elephant or 30 assistants, uh, but yeah, it sure gave us something to aspire to. Like, Well, and for, for some, if any folks listening have, have any background or understanding of magic, I, because I grew up in New York, there was a Sunday morning show called Wonderama. And at one time there was, I don't remember the original host, but they also had the amazing Randy was the magician on Wonderama. But they also ended up having Bob McAllister, who was also a magician, took over as host for many, many years. And he had the, uh, the amazing Slidini, the great Slidini there. Mm. And Slidini did this effect with the metal rings where they link and unlink and everything else. To me, that's always been my magical effect du jour. You know, it's just, wow, if I could do that. You may have some awareness of Slidini's way of doing it, which is very different than the way most people do it. So I actually aspired more to do that effect than even to cut someone in half. You know, I, awesome. I always felt I might slide and slip. And <laughs> Although I did have an idea for a very macabre guillotine effect. <laughs> but, but we don't want to go there. No, probably not. <laughs> Thanks. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it's interesting. You know, when you get, here's the thing for our audience that uh, whether you're a magician or not, when you get magicians talking about things, it's the same thing as, it's like, do you talk about, do you talk about secrets? Do you, do, I've been asked this, right? Do you talk about how stuff's done? It's, and, and if you know the secret, does that spoil it? And, you know, for real, uh, for those of us that really appreciate the art, it's, that we appreciate, it's like going to a concert. You could go to a concert, the same concert over and over again, and just appreciate the artistry that right. is brought to the stage by choreography, by presence. It's all, it, I mean, that's part of the magic is the magical experience. So yeah, it's it's not about the secret. It's about the sense that you get when you're there, which, brings us back to leadership, right? And relationships. It's how you lift somebody, how you engage with somebody, how you build a relationship that matters versus one of, I mean, in the Marine Corps, it'd be easy to certainly pull rank, right? It's like, that's, that's what it's about so often. And, um, and yet there's more, right? There's certainly more. So, some may say what you're doing these days is really a matter of eldering or bringing a, a kind of a mentorship capacity to others. What, what would you say? What would you call it? How do you do what you do these days? 
what are some of the lessons that you would hope that you would impart in others as, as people do build relationships? And I'm jumping ahead. There are multiple steps in there. So if you want to fill in any of those gaps, please. Sure. Well, a big part, and I'll just hold it up with my book, Leadership Magic. One of the things I talk about, by Wait, the way. Wait, it's not leadership magic. The journey from trickster to sage. It's this one? Yes. I just happen to have it. <laughs> you know, we could do something like here, take yeah, this, take and then use it. There you go. <laughs> awesome. But but in the in the book, what I talk about is the hero's journey by Joseph Campbell. Yes. And in, in his mythological journey, and he was trained by Carl Jung, and he also brought in myth and stories and said how our lives really follow the flow of these myths and stories, and we can learn from them. And in the hero's journey, we all become a reluctant hero. We're all given a call, whatever our call is, to step outside, to go take our journey, to go on our path. And we're reluctant, and we pull back. And then we're given another call, and then we pull back. And then we're given another call, and we pull back. And finally, we're just jerked outside the door and pushed onto our path. And along the way, for anybody who's ever played a video game, it's the same way. You meet people along the way that I call leave little nuggets for you. And we don't always know what the nugget is for until much later, just like a video game. So if you go to Leisure Suit Larry and the wino gives you the rose, you don't know you need it later for the lady, but you got to take the rose. That's the same thing here. So along our way, I looked at back at, at going through my life and said, who were the mentors I encountered without asking for a mentor? Who gave me these nuggets and presented these gifts to me that I then put in my shirt pocket or back pocket and carried with me? And one day it came to me where that applied or how I could use that knowledge, that information or that tool. And so I believe the biggest thing we do is all of us are on the path of being mentors at all times. We don't have to age into it. We don't have to wait till we're supposedly a guru or expert at what we do. And for instance, one of my earliest mentors that you asked about magic is a fellow by the name of Clayton Rawson, who wrote under the pseudonym, The Great Merlini. He was also an editor of Ellery Queen's Mystery Magazine. He wrote mystery novels, was a founder of the uh, Edgar Allan Poe Society, the Mystery Society. And he turned out to be, I, I took one of his books out of the library. And one day I was in Marion Stationery on Halstead Avenue in Mamaroneck, New York, which nobody will remember or go to. I don't think it exists anymore. And Mr. Marion said to me, because I was always looking for tricks and stuff. He said, do you know Clayton Rawson? I said, I read his book. And he said, well, he lives just a couple of blocks over on North Barry. And I went home, looked him up in the phone book. Some people may not know what that is, but I looked him up in the phone book. I wrote him a letter. And then the next Saturday I'm in there, he comes charging in with my letter in his hand. It comes up to Mr. Mary and said, do you know this kid? He goes, yeah, he's right there. And so I became a little bit of an apprentice to him at an early age. And then I realized that he was my first definitive mentor. Now, there may have been others before him, but I could put, put a pin in the thing and say, here's my mentor. What did he teach me? It was more than just magic. It was the idea of, as you say, as any magician who loves magic, we love magic. We love the idea of magic. 
We love the idea of amazement. Other people may think we like fooling people. No, it's that moment of amazement that is really personal. Well, then I realized I had other mentors and I started walking back through them in my life. And so I realized that when we are able to mentor somebody in leadership, I feel like that becomes a magical moment when you see them have their own personal epiphany. As you know, mentoring is not about telling someone what to do. It's not like my mother saying, go take out the garbage, it's Tuesday. It's really all about, here was my experience with this. What are your options? How would you like to approach this? Have you considered this option or this option? And then that person goes off and has their own experience, which they now learn from. It could be more successful than, than others or less successful. doesn't matter. But we're really there to help them with the process of going through the experience and gaining the learning from it. That's all we are. And I believe that's a great place to be. On, on the cheesy side, we have none of the responsibility. <laughs> but on the best side, we get to experience those magical moments when they, they have something come through for them. Or they say, you know, you shared with me how you did this. And then I took this and I did it a little differently. And look at how that worked. You know, that's, that's just a great moment of connection between two people. I love that. Now, in Leadership Magic, The Journey from Trickster to Sage, which you also mentioned, I was able to share from another one of my mentors, uh, Jeff McBride, a, a, a world-renowned magician that many folks may not know, but, but he did the archetype of the magician. And we start out, as he said, as the trickster, and we're doing everything. We're trying everything out. Does this work? Does that work? Does this work? Then we become the sorcerer. This is who I am. Then we evolve into the oracle because we start thinking about what we're doing and saying, is this really me? Or is this the persona I created that I think is me? And ultimately, we all become sages where we just share as a mentor back to all those around us. I believe that's the journey of life. It's the best journey for all of us. We don't have to have a title, as I said before, or a corner office or even a company car. We don't have even need a business card, but it's just our journey of finding authentically who we are and sharing that in our encounter with everyone we meet. That to me is leadership magic. That to me is the idea of being a mentor in every moment. That's amazing. That's, um, it's one of the reasons I wanted you here is because your message is so congruent with the message that I give. Um, slightly different language. You know, it's, I talk about leaders and every single one of us is a leader. If you're being watched, even as how you push your grocery cart down a grocery aisle, you are leading because if you're dragging yourself <laughs> to a grocery store and it's another day of who knows what kind of bull, you know, that's one thing, but in the midst of all the noise of the bull that's out there, if you're the one standing up and beaming light and laughter and joy, people are going to go, I, I want some of that. Like, yeah. <laughs> how, how do I do that? Right. That's leadership. That's, that's mentorship that you demonstrate it by modeling it. You demonstrate it then 
in connecting at the checkout counter by holding eye contact by <laughs> right by calling somebody by name i mean you you lift other people by that human connection and so you know when you were talking about your path it was like oh, this is so parallel and it's so <laughs> it's so important to know that there are so many different paths to humanity really right <laughs> that we've we've all but lost it you know at the time of this recording we're just now just now being told that maybe sort of kind of maybe kind of maybe kind of might be able to get out of this pandemic thing and it's, it's been a year and a half plus and people are tired and burned out and you know we're working longer hours um just accidentally because it's easy to check email at six in the morning and then just, you know, check it again at eight o'clock at night because, well, you know, you want to set your morning and, <laughs> and, and it's like, you're kidding, right? All the while you've blended all your other roles at, at home. And so the opportunity to really connect human to human has been cut off and we are aching for that connection. And so as we reintegrate, it's so important to recognize that we've each changed as a result of going through a pandemic. We've each had a chance to evaluate our values and to recognize that not only have you changed, but the people that you're about to encounter have changed too. Mm -hmm. And now's a beautiful time to connect human to human and, and actually ask, what's changed? How are you? And, and maybe more important, what are you working on? What do you need help with? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's where the uh, the oracle turning to sage can actually come in and and offer some guidance and say, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I've been down that path and it's rough and I can offer you this. This is how I keep smiling. This is how I keep <laughs> productive. This is how, you know, whatever it is, this is this is how I do it. How do you think that might fit for you? And I love how you how you talked about that. The the idea of you offer it and then you you nurture it and then you let go of it. It's mm-hmm. not yours, right? Which is yeah. it's amazing. Yeah, we walk alongside them. We don't do it for them. We walk alongside. We're, we're just there. You're listening to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with Dr. Wayne Purnell. Sometimes relationships need a boost. Go to www.relationshiprecharge.com for a free seven tip guide to put some extra life back in your life. That's relationshiprecharge.com for your free seven tip guide. Relationshiprecharge.com. And now back to One Sharp Sword cutting through to what matters most with Dr. Wayne Purnell. You know, may I, may I share a story? To me, it's my perfect mentor story. It's Wait, you've long- got a perfect mentor story? I Well, for me, it's my personal perfect mentor story, yes. No, you can't share it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then I won't. <laughs> May I share a story? Yes. Yes, of course. That's what you're doing here. So please. Uh, it was it was while I was living on the streets and I hadn't eaten for a couple of days. 
And that's there was not a, funny at all. Yeah. <laughs> and there was a, a little place on the Grand Concourse in the Bronx where it was like a little bus terminal, had two or three buses coming and going at all times. And I thought, what a perfect place for me to try to go by and try to do some panhandling. There were crowds of people. I would try to approach them. And I went out there and I tried different approaches to people. I'm sure I looked a little ragged, a little tired, a little hungry. But people would kind of like turn, they'd look the other way, they'd light a cigarette. They'd do whatever they needed to do to not allow me to establish some contact. And I'd been working at it for about 15, 20 minutes. And and this little disheveled man came up to me and he said, come here, kid, let me show you how to do this. And he told me how to approach the people. He said, you get the people uh, going onto the bus, not the people coming off because they're in a hurry. They could easily brush by you. Try to get the people as they're waiting, get eye contact with them, give them a little thing. May I ask you something? And then start into it, try to create this connection. He said, and then he'd go and he'd watch me and then he'd wave back and I'd come back over and give me more tips and he'd send me back out to do more. And I started to get a little money from the people. And then he called me back over and he reached into his pocket and this pocket must have gone down below his knees. And he pulled out this big handful of change and gave it to me. And he said, now here, kid, you go get some something to eat. And so he mentored me and he did it without saying, I need to have a suit. I need to have a house. I need to have a car. I need to have a business card. This man back then, today we call him homeless. Back then we called him a bum but he knew he had worth and he had something to share. And in that moment, he role modeled for me dignity in the face of adversity, as well as mentored me from what he knew he could share that would help me. And that's always stayed with me. He was one of my talismans. He was one of my amulets in my back pocket that one day in the middle of a presentation, he came back to me. I hadn't thought about him in years. And he came back to me and he reminded me that every one of us is always a mentor, as you said. We're always role modeling, as you indicated. And it's not something we sign up for. It's just very natural. We always have the opportunity to support, assist, guide, and aid others. And I want to be careful here. I'm not enlightened. I make a mistake on a daily basis. I'm sure I'm going to send at least one email or have one conversation that I might say something not as much as well as I would like to. Someone may take it the wrong way. I don't really mean that in a way, but we're human and we learn from that. That's also how we learn ourselves is say, okay, I shouldn't have said it that way. Instead of defending it, I say, I shouldn't have said it that way. They took it that way. I got it. And so we learn from that and learn how to make sure we're always letting people know our goal is to connect. Our goal is to affirm. Our goal is to respect. Our goal is to honor them as well as what we're trying to do. That's awesome. I'm taking some notes. <clears throat> That's awesome. So good. <laughs> so good. You know, we're, uh, we're supposed to make mistakes. That is how we learn, right? That's the, that's the human way. You know, the, it's the it's nature's way, right? Mm-hmm. That, that growth comes from adversity, and I love what you said about dignity in the face of adversity. Yeah, that you know, growth comes from the 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 struggles we have, 
right? That that that's where we can actually say, wow, I made a mistake. What's I mean for me right now, the the work I'm doing is what's the truth in this? Mm-hmm. And and so it's um, it's a lot of the work that I'm doing for myself. It's a lot of the work I'm bringing to my clients. What's the truth in this? And and so you know we make a mistake and great. Did we learn? Or we make a mistake and we are triggered and everything is wrong and the rest of the day is storming and ranting and raving. And for me, that's the clue to ask that question. What's the truth in this? Right. Right? Where is the dignity for yourself in the face of that adversity? Right. That it's like there's there's something that's missing. The connection is missing to you, you know, to to, like to your inner you. So um, leadership then also starts internally yeah right yeah and then the the other part of that question is not only where is the truth what's the impact if it's not true right so so love that right in this moment i'm reacting because i think this is the truth what about if it's not true what's the difference yeah it's uh yeah that's, that's kind of kind of key for all of us and i grew up with the background that i grew up my whole upbringing i'll be honest i was um, the kid that was to be seen and not heard you know at the time of the argument of course when i was put out of the house became a little bit of a junkyard dog it became one of those people that would bite you whether you were going to pet me or feed me or kick me didn't matter i was going to bite you because that was the nature of the situation I was in. Yeah. And, and there was also a lot of internalized anger that through my life I had to work through and get through. One of my personal growths that I had to work on was a lot of what you referred to earlier was that trigger. You know, you said, you did, because of this. If the sun had only risen just an hour earlier today, you know, just or an hour later, whatever yeah. it was, I had to recognize that the external circumstances don't define me. My reaction defines me, and how I choose to respond to them is going to define me. So every one of us has issues in our lives. I don't care where they live or who they are. We all have issues. They're all different levels, but we all have issues problems, concerns, whatever we want to call them. But what defines us is our reaction to them. And I'm not talking rose-colored glasses for your listeners there. Because I don't I don't believe in them. It's not it's not that we say this isn't a problem, but am I going to be a victim or a victor of this problem? So if I turn into the victim and the woe is me, poor little me, oh my God. Or am I going to say, what do I need to do to move forward here? What do I need to learn? What do I need to gain? We have that opportunity to choose our response every time. And I believe that's a key component of leadership. Huge. It's a key component of leadership. And it's a, yeah, it's a key message of mentorship is that, is that each of us is responsible for us first ourselves first and how do we choose to react and to recognize it's a choice you know a lot of the uh media work i'm on television pretty much every week i've just done a a radio tour um 12 different stations in one day and the coverage was the the topic was you know how do we handle this pandemic and it's like well 
you choose, right? Just recognize, <laughs> recognize you're resilient, recognize you're courageous. And the biggest thing to recognize is in the face of any adversity, there's still choice, yep. right? And, and it's not over till it's over. And so, you know, even people were taking it very personally and politicizing it. And, and it's like, okay, so we're forced to wear masks. All right. So what's my choice? I have a dozen different masks. It's like, depending on my mood, they're colorful, they're sarcastic, they're formal. They're, it's, like, it's, it's awesome, right? So in the face of adversity, there is dignity and there's choice. And um, uh, I love what you said, that ex- external circumstances don't define me. Uh, what defines us is how we react. I think right. that's a gem. It's a really, it's, yeah. it's a good gem for us. So... Cool. What are you, what are you working on now? Um, what kind of, you know, what's, what's keeping you busy and what's your big next? What are you opening doors to and for? And Well, well, two things. I'm, I'm very engaged. Uh, I'm, I'm on a contract with department of defense that really does nothing for me. In essence, I do nothing. I do nothing. I get paid nothing. I I get paid exactly what I do. But they've talked to me about managing a few teams going forward from a leadership development perspective, and I'm hoping that'll come to fruition. At the same time, as you know, because I'm heavily engaged in Toastmasters, I've also taken on the role of developing some educational programs for them for the next year, the year being 1 July to 30 June. So I'm very involved with that. And for me personally, I'm working on an online show. Now, I was very slow to move to the online environment for performing. Certainly a lot of my other activity, I'm on Zoom all the time, just as I'm sure you were. And I have my own podcast, Good Vibrations Radio, which I only do once a month. But from a performing perspective, my show was a very set, structured, very comfortable in the sense of I knew what I wanted to do, how I interacted with the audience, how I mingled with them, how I produced results, and and the experience I was taking them on. So I was very slow to shift my thinking of how would I like to shift that to online? So for the last six months, I've been taking a lot of classes, Magic and Mystery School of Jeff's and various things about online performing and watching different performers and how they approach it. So the short answer to the long answer I've already given is I'm working on an online show. And regardless of what happens after the pandemic, regardless of what opens it up, I would like to do more online performing. The first thing I'm going for, I'm actually working two things concurrently or uh, concurrently is the online seance, because I love seances. I used to do a Houdini seance every year, but it's an in-person seance. So I'm working on a very different type of a seance for online. So those are the two things that I'm working on that just engage me. They thrill me. They excite me. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, 
you might have to show a little more enthusiasm when you say that they excite me, they thrill me. They excite <laughs> me, they thrill me. <laughs> they thrill um, me. Because <laughs> yeah, it's like that, that is gotta, kind of exciting. I've got to hold myself down. <laughs> exactly. So, um, you know, way to wait until we're out of a pandemic to figure out that you can go online to do your shows. Um, <laughs> well, it's it's also, as you know, I mean, it's a very different approach. It's a it's very totally different way of... Very much. The um, the angles, the cameras, so you can actually cover everything. Whereas when you're standing there in person, you're complete. But even standing on a Zoom, it's not the same because you you don't yeah, have that same level of of closeness. Well, people, right, people can't see exactly what you, what what you're doing, and you want them to see the the stuff. So you have to hold it up so they they can see what you're focused on. As an example, I did a two minute bit in, I think it was September, a two minute bit. It took me nine hours to do a two minute bit because I had to, and I'm using the term big in a big way, but I had to re-engineer everything yep. because of here's how I do it. Okay. That doesn't work on zoom. Right. Okay. I'll try that. That doesn't work. That, that doesn't work. And so it took nine hours just for that little two minute bit. Actually, it was, it was 90 seconds. This, Just nine hours. Yeah. This is actually a leadership lesson in itself because the next two minute bit, the next minute and a half bit, 90 seconds, won't take you nine hours. The fact that you, right, you ran the miles, you paved the way for yourself. And this is, you know, it's one of those things where when I know you've encountered this in the people you've mentored, and I certainly have as well, it's like, oh my God, this stuff, it takes, it takes how many years to get to where you've, you know, it's like, how long does it going to take? It's like, okay, so let's say it takes three years, three years. Oh my God. Okay. Well, the three years are going to pass whether or not you engage in this or not. So do you want to do this program? <laughs> it's like, Okay. Yeah. A year, right. I offer a year long program and it's like a year is a long time to commit. Well, where do you want to be in a year? And for you, it's like, okay, I want to, I want to craft this down so that it is so tight. It's like, that's awesome. So it takes you nine hours to set up a minute and a half to two minute bit. And, and now it's done. And the yeah. next time you do a minute and a half to two minutes, it's already ready. It's, it's prepared. So, you know, does it take you a long time to run those initial miles? Yeah, that's called training right? You don't, you don't step in to run a half marathon or marathon or whatever, and just start running, you train. And it does take a long time to get to that place where it's like, Oh, I'm ready. I could just run it. So yeah, good. That's really good. Um, awesome. What else? I, uh, uh you know, I don't know if, if the camera was back on me when well, I held up your book. So, um, leadership magic, and that's available. You can get it at, at you know, where, wherever. Amazon, Barnes and Nettles, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, cool. there's, there's another thing that I don't recall the author, and I really apologize. But you mentioned where you're going to be a year from now. But the book is called The Outliers, and you may have read it. And what The Outliers deals with is this gentleman, I, I apologize to him, but at least that's the title of the book. He did a study of various people and what was their path to being successful. And like he took the Beatles, Steve Jobs, uh, Bill Gates, a variety of people and different types of people. And there was, that was Malcolm Gladwell, right? Malcolm Gladwell. Excellent. Yeah. You're absolutely correct. Thank you. 
And, and one of the things that's really important in there is he brought out something, and this is an oversimplification, but he really said that people reach their level of expertise after putting 10,000 hours into something. And the question when I talk to people about the outliers, I ask them, which is like your one year thing, where are you putting your 10,000 hours? I mean, now your 10,000 hours could take you 10 years. It could take you five years. It's, yeah. it, it all depends on the time that's available. It could take you 15, and that's also okay. It's what the time available you have to dedicate to that thing you want to do. And we should never think that it's never too late. George Eliot said it, we're, it's never too late to be who we want to be. So there's always an opportunity for us to do something, to learn something, to, for instance, I used to do a lot of sleight of hand and I have arthritis in my thumbs. It hampers me, but I practice every day. Sometimes it's more painful than others, but I still practice every day. I don't perform it as much because I don't know from moment to moment if the thumb will hold up or not hold up, but I still practice because it gives me joy. I don't get to get to share it as much, but it gives me joy. Mm -hmm. Where are we putting our 10,000 hours? So if my 10,000 hours is eating taco chips, drinking beer, then that's what I'm going to be really good at. It's the old story of the person who went to the concert pianist after the concert and said, I would give anything to be able to play like that. And the concert pianist said, obviously not. You know, so. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. People, you know, I was in the martial arts and people would, would ask me, you know, what does it take to get a black belt? And I'm like, $6. <laughs> you you really want to it's like here six bucks and you Go can buy one, one. Yeah. or yeah. or you know or it takes years of dedication and practice every day whether or not you're doing it physically you're doing it mentally and and that's with any craft and i think you know the listeners my audience is here because they are getting better every day my audience is here because they are stepping up to choosing their power you are you know as 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 a listener, as a viewer, you are here getting better. You're choosing to be in the one sharp sword arena. And the whole idea of one sharp sword is cutting through to what matters most, which means you're cutting out what doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And one sharp sword is also about not having 10,000 dull blades. It's about <laughs> one. Right. Yeah. And so this is, you cutting through and that's that it's like, where's your focus and what are you willing to do to make, to make your life as sharp as you want it to be. And that means cutting in and cutting out. So yeah, good stuff. This is good stuff. Are you familiar? Are you may, are you familiar with Miyamoto Mushashi from the book of the five rings? Uh, now, and, and, and you don't have to be, it's not yes. a common one. Oh, you are no. good. Yeah. But what I loved about him now, of course, for those who know the uh, Japanese movie, The Seven Samurai. Yes. It's based on his story. And it also, of course, we did the um, Magnificent Seven as our takeoff of it on the Western version. Yes. But he essentially was the most successful samurai in, in the history of Japan. He retired before he was ever defeated. He retired in his late 20s, I believe, which was a phenomenal age for a samurai. It's like, wow, that's really an old man. And he became very spiritual after that. And I don't recall the particular tradition he went into. But one of the things he shares in the Book of Five Rings, and I think it goes right to this, he talks about the killing, the killing stroke. And he shares, you know, you take the killing stroke with the broad blade and you do it a certain way. 
And he stresses, when you practice the killing stroke, you must practice it as you will execute it. Because if you practice it half-hearted, you will execute half-hearted. And so that also goes to our whole sense of expertise. If we if we're practicing, you know, if we really take practice to heart, we're not doing it as we want to execute it. Yes. And I believe that's the story of our own growth journey. And that's why for some it's quick, for some it's slower. Mine's been, I used to share the line, my my uh, ex-wife does never like the line, but I always used to say that I've lived many lives in one because my lives were such distinct phases. Mm-hmm. But for most of us, it's really the same. But each of those phases were definitive learning times for me that I was able to glean things from. Without that phase, maybe I would have picked it up. Maybe I wouldn't have. I don't know. But it, for each phase, I was practicing a different killing stroke you know, and awesome. learning from that. That's what helps us mentor. Ah, by the way, it's upside down. It is up there. There you go. So the, oh. I don't. I, I thank you so much. Uh, turn it around. Uh, so <laughs> dynamic. It's a, that was a magician. It's reference. a magician reference. Yeah, I know. <laughs> dynamic transitions is the book that I wrote to define how we go through our phases of our lives, right? And that you you get closure on one phase as you open into another phase. And I think that that's so important, you know? So um, Book of Five Rings, the bottom line out of that was also, you know, it's, it could be said a different way, which is you practice like you play, yes. right? That, that you show up ready to go. And by doing that, this is a leadership lesson. By doing that, you lift others around you. There's a, there's a Japanese saying when you finish training with somebody who's trained hard with you on the mat, and that's, uh, I hope I'm saying it correctly, Osukari Sandeshta, which is, thank you for training so hard with me today. Like, you, you, you are so appreciative that the other person showed up because by them showing up being strong, it's made you stronger. Mm. And so when you show up being strong, you make the people around you stronger and i think that's so so important so yeah uh i'm a big fan of uh musashi's book of five rings i think it's uh uh it's a i'm gonna list it in the show notes because i think it's important that people read it um whether or not you're into martial arts so that's amazing we get to cover magic and martial arts and (laughs) my like my loves, right? So that's fantastic. Thank you. Well, and for me, actually, The Five Rings was strictly a book about leadership and self. It's all, you know, yeah. the same leadership we're talking about is in The Five Rings. So you're absolutely correct, of course, about martial arts, but it's in there. And and I think that's an interesting part, too, in our journey of self is that we, again, I, I call it the little amulets, just like a video game for anyone who's ever played. You have to take this from this one and this from this one and this from this one. What do you and call it? A little amulets, am- amulets, A-M-U-L-E-T-S. Oh, amulets. I, yeah, yeah. I, I heard you say ambulance and I'm like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Okay, yeah. so little amulets. Uh, our amulets that we pick up from different people along the way. And there's, these are the little nuggets that we don't always recognize the value until we call on them as they're needed. 
I love this so much. It's uh, for so many reasons. I, uh, you know, an amulet could be considered a touchstone if you're not familiar yes. with the, the use of the term amulet, which yes. is, a, it's kind of a, it's an old world magic term. So um, yeah, and we get little pieces that we can come back to and go this, this, I call on this, I call on this knowledge, I call on this spirit um it's it's great it is and it is like a touchstone it's like bring me back to understand this one thing and it's powerful it's really great um what else what have i not asked you what are you what were you hoping i would cover um are there things that our audience should know about you like how to reach you or you know your book more about your book or upcoming books or shows like all that stuff well, they can certainly always go to mentalconnection.com to connect with me. And my email is solazar, S-O-L-A-R-Z-A-R, at gmail.com. A lot of people drop that first R, but it's solarzar, S-O-L-A-R-Z-A-R, at gmail.com. And I do such a variety of things that it's been an interesting experience through life because I just keep picking up more things I just want to do. And so I do, you know, as you know, I, you know, I, I do tarot readings. I do numerology. I do leadership training. I do customer service. Training, you know, you've got all of those things coming together. And I just love, as we've discussed, the idea of leadership magic where Every one of us is a leader, every single one of us. And it's just about being our authentic self, an overused term, but an underused concept and application. Truly. Yeah, truly. That if, you know, understanding that, that as you're listening to this, as you're watching this, you've joined into a conversation where you've come as a leader and you're in training for yourself and for the next connection you have, the next person you see, you might be able to have made use of something you learned today. So um, Leadership Magic, I do recommend it. It's by Solarzar. Um, and uh, mentalconnections.com, connection, singular. Mental connection, singular. Okay, mentalconnection.com and Solarzar. I will hold this up. S O L A R Z A R at gmail.com. So uh, to find out about your shows, to find out what you're up to, to uh, call on you uh, if they have comments about your book, all that stuff. Yeah, it's to help me with bail money on Saturday. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. The GoFundMe of bail money for that's sure. Right. That's right. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. Um, awesome. This is really great. I'm so glad you were here. Is there any last final thing or you got it? Or? I, I would like to share something for your listeners, which they probably picked up. And this may be stating the obvious. If they look at our interaction, that was all leadership on, on both sides. We're exchanging, we're interacting, we're mentoring, we're guiding, we're supporting. That's, that's it right in a nutshell, right here. They just had a, uh, an example of that right in front of them. And, and that's what we want to try to do in all moments whenever we can. It's so great. Here's the other part of that. I just want to point that out, that we both come to this relationship. None of this was scripted. 
we've come to this in respect of each other, mm-hmm. which is how we could have fun with each other, right? That if mm-hmm. if one of us was a little intimidated or you know, wanted to, to, you know, make a great impression and was false <laughs> in that or whatever, we couldn't have shown up and had this kind of fun and pushed on each other and, uh, you know, circled back to different points. So that's the other piece is that, is that this was, that was a great point. So are the, the, this was uh, an authentic engagement mm-hmm. and, um, could only be meaningful because we showed up in trust mm-hmm. and even love of each other. And, and that's amazing to be able to say, right. That it's like, mm-hmm. nobody talks about that in leadership. Right? <laughs> you know, this, belong, this doesn't belong in the boardroom. Um, yeah. Acceptance and understanding and respect all belong there. So uh, day by day, absolutely. Great stuff. Great stuff. I'm so glad you're here. Oh, thank you. It's, it's such an honor. It's such a pleasure. I'm so glad we met. And yeah, I really appreciate all you've shared with me. And I've got to pick up that dynamic transitions. I'm just really excited to read that. So, <laughs> Well, uh, do I have your address? We'll talk about this in a second because I can just send it to you. Um, for the rest of our audience, yes, please. It's at Amazon. Um, and I think it'll make a difference, right? So, yeah, when you're on Amazon ordering uh, Leadership Magic by Solarzar, you can order Dynamic Transitions by me. All right. Well, with that, I will do the grand close. Solarzar, thank you for being here. This is... Thank you. This is one sharp sword cutting through to what matters most. And that does imply you're cutting out what no longer matters. Cutting through to what matters most. I am your host, Dr. Wayne Purnell, Dr. P, the Outfluencer, and your powerful presence mentor. Thanks for listening to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with Outfluencer, Dr. Wayne Purnell. For more information, please go to onesharpsword.com.